Hey y'all, welcome to the Working Dog Wednesday show on the Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast, brought to you by Joy Dog Food. Now, I'm your host, Mike Green. I'm the owner and operator of Cottonville Road Kennels, located in Norwood, North Carolina. I want to let you know for more information about Joy Dog Food or to find a Joy dealer near you, visit joydogfood.com. Now let's get on to the show. Hunting season is here. Make sure your dog stays energized with Joy High Energy 2420. This beef formula is made to meet the nutritional needs of the hardest working dogs at a whopping 505 kcals per cup. Joy High Energy is formulated with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids for healthy skin and a gray coat. Added pumpkin for digestive health and chelated minerals for more energy. So whether they're in the woods, the water, or the field, make sure they have the fuel for anything that comes their way. To learn more about Joy High Energy 2420 or to find a dealer near you, visit joydogfood.com or call us at 800-245-4125. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on the Fuel by Joy Working Dog Podcast. And this is part two with Mike and Mr. Dexter. Uh, I think it's just as good as the first, and the first was pretty good. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, let me skip back and quickly say one thing. Mrs. T was out of uh, uh, Birch Lake, Texas T and Kobe Odonna, uh, which were both of them had, were carrying a lot of Rampon Mr. T, especially uh, Texas T. But now, Rampon Mr. T was used fairly, fairly extensively as a, as a stud. Uh, Tom, and I got a picture. Well, it's on my, my Facebook page. There's a picture of me and T. And then there's a picture of me and T and Tom. Okay. Uh, T, uh, Tom was probably one of the, or if not the first individuals to charge 300 sub season on a, on a bitch mm. for tea. And, and there was a lot of bitches that didn't get taken to tea because of that. Uh, again, back, like we were talking about the, uh, the paternal grandsire syndrome, I always felt like his bitches were better producers than his males. Now, those boys in the north, uh, up in New Hampshire, which was where Tom was at, uh, could possibly tell could uh, tell us more about that, expound on it more. Right, if you will. I understand. I understand. But uh, interestingly enough, um, T was actually bred uh, by John Poland, who was. Uh, a great houndsman, big, tall, I guess he was French Canadian. And I had had the opportunity to run dogs with, uh, with John several times. And he was always, and I, he taught me a lot of things and I was young and, uh, he was a great houndsman and, um, T was out of sweet poppy, uh, Emmon Hill, sweet poppy. And she was out of straight arrow. Uh, directly out of straight era. Mm-hmm. And 
T was T went. He was out of. Uh, uh, T was out of. Uh, well, he was a grandpup of Curry Blue Boy and uh, Trick. Uh, uh, yeah, he was a grandpup of, of uh, and he he was carrying uh, uh, a lot of those really solid. Uh, hire hounds from that area. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, and he had some mounts I'm feeding him too, because I've never bred to a dog that wasn't carrying some mounts I'm feeding, you know. Yeah. That was a prerequisite. So, I don't know. I can't really, I think those, those observations are as close as I can come as to why you don't see more of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I always he thought worked, he worked. He worked for me, especially the bitches, and it wasn't just the 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 cross on chime and tea, but I actually got dogs, dir- females directly off the tea from other females. Gotcha. And that worked good. So it wasn't just a fluke thing. It, sure. it was a neck cross for me. I don't know. Yeah, and they were solid rabbit. They were solid rabbit dogs. They were right. And that's the that I guess you know when we're when we're when we are searching through pedigrees and we're looking at different dogs. You know when we're trying to make connections. And I don't so much anymore, but used to I used to sit down and I'd look at the the back to the fifth generation. Then I'd go online and I would research as far back as I could go um, uh, on on dogs so that I could see what were some common denominators. Um, and that and you're right. Mountain Zion Pete is in a lot of, uh, is in a lot of them when you get way on back. What year was it that you bred the round top round pond, Mr. T? That's tough. Oh, okay. I, I, can, remember, I can remember Mount Zion Pete's <laughs> birthday, but I can't remember that. It was in the early nineties. Okay. All right. And do you, and based off of your, uh, family style, crosses and looking to see those dogs in the, on the front end uh and the ones that's on the back end on the front end uh when your puppies hit the ground um do you still see that or you know has that waned a little the t yeah uh, the t it's waned um i was t the t bitches were Cause you know, I was in the, the preliminary stages of, of development then. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for what would cross with my dogs. And, and I already had Samson who was his mother and his daddy were heavily line bred Mount Zion Pete dogs. And then I made the half brother sister cross and Spur himself was a line bred dog, T dog. So, uh, I was, I was looking to see, I was getting familiar, I guess, with, with the line also, because that's something else, you know, some lines stand up to close breeding well and others don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one fortunate thing and hats off to the old breeders before me, you know, they, uh, there were several different families of, of, Mount Zion Pete dogs out there that were family bred, like the Birch Lake dogs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, uh, the Bushy brothers, yeah. um, Richard Dole, 
uh, bred, uh, well, see, Richard, Richard Dole was actually the breeder of uh, Chico's Northway Venture. Okay. Uh, so uh, it was what Adirondack Dolly bred to a bushy male, a bushy, a bushy brother male. But anyway, you know, there I was getting the feel because in those early days, I was still uh, familiarizing myself with the different families of beagles out there. Mm, that's smart, too. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> there, <laughs> I saw no other way to successfully accomplish what I was doing other than to to look at different families. And and I know some people will will maybe take one of my pedigrees and say, "My God, <laughs> he must be kennel blind because he never crosses out." Well, <laughs> lion breeder to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> I have crossed out. I've made crosses out to some of the top studs, and the pups were not as good as the parents. So why pursue that? I would just abandon that that cross altogether and that that's important too and and i want to interrupt you for just a second when you make the cross and and you're not reproducing better or at least what you have are better that's right abandon abandon that yeah yeah great point it's time to jump ship (laughs) get rid of all of them and step back a generation Mm-hmm. Go back to, you know, uh, field trial and you'll hear people, they'll see the dog. You got a dog running. That dog's doing good. So, man, I, man, I'd like to breed to that dog you got right there, you know. And then, you know, like I say, well, well, his daddy's still alive or his mama's still, you know, you, you need to go back one more back, you know, because you're, you're, you're hoping this one reproduces what he is. But I can tell you the one behind him did, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, because that. Uh, you breed if you see a good dog breed his daddy now if if you if that good dog is out of a nick cross of that star and and the dam then again because i'm that's something else i have have focused on and uh some breeders call it the nick cross mm-hmm. breeding plant where you only use dogs that come out of a nick and what I, my definition of a nick is that if if it, if the cross works once, and then I make that same cross again, and you can take pups from both litters and line them up, and they all act similar, then that is a nick cross. I mean, if they're high end dogs, and the the second the second time the cross produces the same quality animals, then you truly got a nick cross because many times you'll make a cross twice and the pups won't even act the same. But no, generally that's when you outcross. Um, But again, I I say generally because there's so many variables and you have to look at them. It takes time. And, Shoe leather and elephant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a knit cross, and that's a new term for me. Um, I, N-I-C-H-E. I, N-I-C-H-E. 
Yeah. Okay. And so I'm, I'm writing down some notes right here, and I hope our listeners are too, or back it up and listen again. So the knit crosses, when the, when the, you do the cross one time, you do it again. And the second time you make the crosses, you can line those puppies up and they're pretty much the same out of both, both crosses. Yeah. So much so that they could be from the same litter. Gotcha. They could be litter mates instead of full mates. They could be litter mates. And then, you know, you've, you've hit the neck, the niche, if you will. The niche. Right there. Gotcha. Now, I've done this. Uh, I bred whip. I bred whip to uh, uh, one of my females and my my share female. And the first cross, great cross. I mean, you, they, they. I mean, across the board, all eight puppies, done it. Okay, so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make this cross again because a whip ain't getting no younger. So, so I said. I'm going to do it again. So I done it again. And then the next cross, not only were the puppies different in their abilities and, and then I'm not going to say so much in intelligence, they were smart, but it was, I did not get the same dogs again. Like I thought that I would got, like I got the first time I got stockier built dogs, shorter dogs, same cross, but if you put them up all together, you would be like, nope, those are, they, you wouldn't even say they had the same parents. <laughs> Let so, me ask you this. Was, was that a line bread cross or was that an out cross? That was a line bread cross. Was there any out crossing in the par- either parent? Well, um, the, both of them, both of them were full Branco. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Whip Whip was out of Branco's Manitoba Lucy and Branco's uh, uh, Mystery Man, and Cher was out of uh, Branco's Spot the Second and Pretty Branco's Pretty Polly. Now, now I know that I'm intersecting in a in a line bred program. We know Branco. We got a great respect for them and the dogs. Absolutely. And so I know at that time in my in my breeding life, I was. I was trying to do something that I was, I was in the process of learning and in its conception of, of, of our kennel. And I was trying to work this in and it worked great the first round. And then the second round, eh, you know, they were good, but they weren't champion dogs, you know? And and, I mean, you, it would just blew my mind how I could send you a picture of two pups that came out of it and you'd be like, no, they they don't have the same parents. But it was just so wild. And there again, I'm coming in on a 50 year line breeding program, you know, learning at that time. So this was not a niche, uh, cross, uh, because I didn't get the same again. I hadn't hit the niche there. I was, I, matter of fact, I, I abandoned that and I said, I never do, <laughs> I'm not doing that again. And, but now let me say this. Now, here, here's, now I never, I never bred anything out of that second cross. I never bred any of those dogs. The, um, but one male that my buddy owned, he bred to an outcross female um, that was not, didn't, didn't have any Branco in her. And through they they them two together made great pups. Now what with it they done second third time I don't they they would never done that. But um, the first cross that hit the ground, it's like they took all the good everything because they even reproduced good. 
you know <laughs> so i can't you be closer explaining that than i can because i was just like you know what i don't even know what happened right there and that's just me being just completely transparent i i had at that time in my life i had no idea what happened right there and i've thought about that many times what in the world happened between here and there you know i don't well I, it obviously wasn't a niche cross i can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't sound like it but let me give you an offer a visual on this and i've used this many times through the years um if you took a quart jar and you filled it with colored marbles now the more intensely family bread or line bread because even in family programs uh and i think i'm i won't speak for for Branco because I know they've been very successful and I respect them. Yeah. But in my own situation, I have, even though all my dogs are related, there are different springs of the same family. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in order to avoid uh, a genetic bottleneck, or, well, I guess it starts as a, uh, a artificially induced uh, selection process. Uh, you you begin to see a genetic drift, mm-hmm. which eventually will will result in a genetic bottleneck. Right. Uh, but back to my illustration, the more. The closer family related they are, the less colored marbles, obviously, you're going to have in that jar. But you've got colored marbles in that jar. And one time you shake it up and you pour them out on a table or on the floor and they'll they'll create a certain pattern. Then you pick those same marbles up and you put them back in that same jar and you shake it up again and you pour them out and they come out with a totally different pattern. And the more variations that you have in that jar of color, the wider spread of, of variations you will see from one pouring to the other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same way in, in, in genetics in that just because on paper something looks like it mm-hmm. is very tight, sometimes you that when you breed those dogs, you realize they're not as tight as you thought they were. Right. Right. And, and, and for, refer, referring back to the niche cross, the niche cross is the one where those, those marbles align and they'll pour out almost identical every time. <laughs> that's a, that's a great analogy. That's a great example there because, um, it would, it would seem like that when you cross the same male and the same female, you, you, you would get that same thing every time. But when you're dousing those marbles out and you're getting those different patterns, it's because they're not as close as without, just like in that example of that cross that I made with Cher and Whip, um, share, they shared the same, uh, 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 line on, on one side, um, you know, coming coming back from you know Branco's Alabama down that direct coming down that line, it was Whip's granddaddy, and it was her, uh-huh. and it was her 
third great granddaddy. So they weren't as tight as you one might think as far as if you can understand that how Branko's done and it's genius what he's done, but how they've how they've worked that in over the years. But you know, and so I see what you're saying right there. You know, my marbles just looked a lot, a lot different, and uh, I lost a few marbles in that too somewhere along the way because, because <laughs> yeah. I, because I was like, I'm just completely just, just blown away by the difference in the two. But it's perfect sense what you're saying. So even though they were close, they were coming out of the same family. They just weren't as close a family as what I probably thought they were at the time. At least looking at paperwork. Now they mirrored up exactly. well as far as as far as dog to dog they mirrored up well, you know, um on the ground, you know, in the woods. But I see what you're saying there. That makes a lot of sense. Well, it's it's just something that these are things that I've noticed through the years. I mean it worked it's worked for me. I'm not gonna say that it'll you know I'm not gonna say it'll work for everybody because and I'm, I'm going to, before, I know we're getting in a little late into the program, and I want to do this before we do get off, is that I, I, beagles were my life. Yeah. I had a totally wrong perspective, and I would warn any any person who's beagling or any newcomer to come in is, is put this in perspective. I mean, the beagles came before God and family. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and uh, another thing I will confess to the uh, the listeners is that for most of my adult life, I was a, an alcoholic mm. all through these these years. Although I was a high perform high performing alcoholic, but and I that's all past me now because God has, has taken that from me, and Amen. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it alone by myself. But I would warn people to put this in perspective. You know, put God first, and then put you, and then your family, because God's gonna. If you got God, He's gonna take care of all That's of right. that. And then, if you do that, then you'll enjoy it so much more in the end, and you can make it a family thing, uh, which is so much better. So anyway, just off there, and I just wanted to to speak for God there a minute and uh well I mean you're you're right and and most of the listeners know that I'm a pastor and we can just go down that road right there and stay there all night y'all can, yeah, I know y'all can, y'all can. I just wanted to, I just <laughs> wanted to jump in and, and give God right the the uh, credit he deserves because he tolerated my insolence all those years and he blessed me in many things amen because and and now I look back and I realize that it's because he had a use for me in the end. Because mm. you know, all rights, I probably should have been dead by now. But here I am, still kicking along. Right. And and he's he's you know turned my life around, and I and uh, and I give him credit for the breeding program too. I, I'm not one who gets on a stump and and says. Oh my, this is all me. Well, without God allowing me to do that, he given me the 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 state of mind, the at the time, uh, you know, I, I've always worked and had had good jobs, I, the finan- financial uh, ability and 
And even I look back on something so simple as picking the right pup out of a litter. Mm. And I think, you know, all I was doing is just picking the pup I thought was pretty. (laughs) But, and it turns out to be the superior, the superior producer. And we'll go, and, and as an example of that, and this has happened many times, but all the way back to the beginning, Samson was, I, he was my pick of the litter, and I kept up with every dog in that litter and what they produced. I didn't keep them all, but I farmed them out to, to uh, friends and got to watch them all, and then got to see what they produced, and he was the, the dominant producer in that litter, hands down. Mm-hmm. And what was the odds of me picking, because there was eight pups, I think. What was the odds of me picking the dominant producer out of eight? Now, that boggles your mind, doesn't it? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you, man. You when when we try to understand the mind of God and how He works and and the the paths that He will take us down, whether it's in in our life and our work or whether it's in our our uh, our hobbies of beagling or breeding or whatever it is that we're doing with dogs. When we try to really get down and understand his mind, we just have to sit back and just be still and know he's God. And uh, Be still and know that I'm God. And it also says uh, man's ways are not God's way. <laughs> That's right. Thank the Lord for that. That's Thank right. the Lord for that, brother. And and we, so. we do look at that. My success, your success, whatever minimum it may be in this world, um, it's not about Mike. It's not about Dexter. You know, it's, no. it's about God's glory no. and all it's things. It's about God's glory. And get, let's give him glory for that. And, and you know, to thank all the things he's brought me through and allowed me to do and, and, and allowed me to, to be have a success at the breeding program, I give, I give him all the, the praise and glory because, you know, I was persistent. I'm, I'm, if nothing else, I guess that's one. Uh, some of the most important traits in a hound to me are intelligence. Uh, of course, it hunt, but and endurance or bottom, as the hound, old hound people would call it. And I guess. And, and that's what I was taught as a child growing up under my father and my brother, who were houndsmen, great houndsmen. But if 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 nothing else, I persisted. And I guess, you know, God apparently appreciates that, that persistence. And he, he hung with me. And he, he allowed me to accomplish what, what I have. Not that some people not, might not think it's great, but I'm happy with it. And... Uh, that's the only thing I guess I had going for me was persistent because he, I give him the, the credit for everything else. Well, we do know that he, we do know he resorts, re, rewards persistence. Um, I mean, and we can even see that in scripture with the, the lady that went to the, went to the king to, to get justice for, uh, 
a wrong that was done to her, you know, and uh, the widow that went there to get uh, justice. And uh, it was because of what he's saying there. Uh, if I don't do something, she's going to drive me crazy, basically. Yeah, you it, know? It, <laughs> so, basically, he said, I'm going to do something to get rid of you. That's right lord help us but yeah that persistence and it shows in in like i said and then all of our listeners i mean you pick up a pedigree and if you look somewhere you pick up you find a good dog you know and just pick that good dog's pedigree up and look around in there and i'm not saying in every but in a lot of pedigrees you're going to see reference kentucky mountain something in there you, I mean, it's just the facts of the matter, and you have had a great influence on dogs in not just in Kentucky, but a, around this country and in the rabbit hunting world. Um, you, you've had a great influence on that. You've inspired people to get into breeding programs. Uh, I've looked at your stuff. I've looked at your pet. I ain't there again. I'm like, what the world is he doing right here? You know, but, (laughs) but, but we see on the front end of that, the benefits that we, that we can cross out, whether we outcross it or we try to stick into that family breeding, like you said, um, we, we see that because, you know, I know you're a humble person, and so you're not going to say what I'm going to say. I get to say it. I'm the host. I'm saying it. We <laughs> we would be less if we didn't have refits. We in in the beagle world in America, we would be less if we didn't have refits. And I'll say that um, because uh, I've seen so many. I mean, I just watching one 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 the uh, full refits uh, dog run just the other week with a buddy of mine. I mean. I can point him out. Now I'm gonna be honest with you. That's an ugly dog. I must tell you, that's ugly. I, I told my buddy. I said that's the ugliest dog I ever seen in my life. But I'm saying, it's a good thing we don't worry about ugly when we're running rabbits. Yeah, I try. I've got some pretty dogs. Now. You just ain't seen them. All. I, know, I know you do. I know, but boy, he ain't got one. Hey, and, and I want to. I want to say thank you for all that. And that's all I say. Well, 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 we, we thank you because, um, you know, and through your hardships and through your trials and tribulations and, and your ups and your downs, you know, and you, you stay the course and, you know, no matter what anybody says about Dexter Reffitts, we can say that Dexter has, has put in the time, put in the, the, done his due diligence to, uh, understand breeding it understand genetics and be able to bring it from from days gone by you know or breeding's gone by to to the forefront to where here that new beaglers and new people just coming in um uh, can experience some of that maybe not the full thresh not the full gust of it but they can ex- at least feel the feel the breeze of it when they're when they're watching dogs run that have these dogs in their pedigree but and it's because of the science and because of the study that you've done and so i know you're not going to say it but i'll say it and and we do appreciate that um and and you know just moving on a little bit and uh um and i ain't worried about uh, unless you've got somewhere to be i'm gonna keep talking um no i'm not um we we've uh well right here let me say this right here folks i don't know how long this is going to go but we're going to go until it's over 
but um, because there's a lot of knowledge and a lot, a lot here. But let me just remind y'all with this here. If you ever want to know anything about Joy Dog Food, look it up, joydogfood.com. Those, that is our sponsor for the Joy Dog Food Working Dog Pod, Podcast, and that's what we're listening to today. And again, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, Dexter, let me ask you this question right here, and this is getting kind of on a little bit of cultural um, issues that we or I'm not going to say issues, but concerns maybe that we've got. Um, mm-hmm not uh not too bad but let me ask you this here we were talking about breeding earlier and you're talking about in the hills of kentucky and you had the dogs that you had right there and that's what you bred to and that's what you kept your family breeding to and this dog and that's the way we did whenever i was young you know you was talking about shot collars earlier i was 25 i'm 45 now i was 25 years old before i ever owned my my own my very own first shot collar we didn't have them growing up we, we you know we didn't have it, we heard about them <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah we we heard i'm only and here's the thing folks and you're listening and you've always run with a shot collar or a, or a garmin system or a dog system whatever it is that you use we didn't have that growing up and i'm only 45 years old so shocking systems and things like that have been around a long time but they have not been as easily accessed as as they are now but for just you know 20 years probably um they were that and the uh that they were uh the cost was prohibited to uh, to somebody raising a family i mean they couldn't afford what Mm -hmm. they were and they were big clumsy things too you know, I remember the ones you had to have a magnet, you know, the old and big ones that you had to have a magnet to turn them on, you know. That's the old wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had to have a magnet to turn it on. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the things that, we, that we've come through. And, and that brings us to where we're at right now culturally in the big world. And you've been around as long starting your program when you did and, and working through. And, you know, like you said, you just had the dogs that you had to breed to and you had to make good decisions and cause it wasn't that. But nowadays, and this is, this is why I say, and folks, when you're out there, if you disagree with me, that's okay. That's how, what makes the world go around. But I'm going to say that the, the breeders like, like Dexter Raffitz and Branco and other, other breeders around the country and around the world that, that work with what you had, and traveled when you went to go breed you had to travel a long way to pick up the phone and call somebody or look into full cry magazine or look wherever it was that you found the ad to find a dog to breed to absolutely we won't have the we won't have that again and i and i and i say that and 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 i hope that i'm wrong but i don't see where we're going to be able to have that again because there's so much now with dog haulers and internet breeding that we have that goes on so, Absolutely. So my question to you is this right here. With right. the with the with the uh influence of the internet and we can go on Facebook and we can find you can find uh uh Reffitt's Kentucky Mountain Kennels, you can find Cottonville Road Kennels, you can find all the kennels that are out there. You know, they got <laughs> Facebook pages and things. Now, has it helped us genetically or has it hurt us? Well, <laughs> uh, that's a that's an opening question, but and I'll know try to is. keep it simple and 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 uh, the 
the internet has been a, a blessing and a and a a curse at the same time um, because it has allowed beagles to communicate and and um, and know about other beaglers and groups of hounds. But back when we relied on magazines and uh, we uh, would have to place ads, and you know you'd have to place a month in advance and all that. Uh, if you were selling pups or whatever, and you, I've got some of those, a lot of those old magazines. But anyway, uh, now, uh, well, uh, my original thought was I had a friend back then that had said something one time, and he was so spot on. He said, now, boys, let me tell you something. That sheet of paper will lay there and let you write anything you want to on it. Well, it's the same thing with the Internet now. That keyboard, it'll lay right let you type anything you want to on it. Right. Now, <laughs> is it all true? Well, I think we would all agree, no, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. So we have to be familiar with the dogs that we're going to use. We have to be familiar with the families. Uh, and something... Unfortunately, that I've seen in in the internet. Now, this is just me. I'm speaking for myself. Is that suddenly everybody's an expert? <laughs> hold on, let me pause so I can hold my breath and not laugh. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's some advice I would give: is remain coachable. Always remain coachable. If you don't know something, don't act like you do. Right. And don't make it up. My Jesus, that's even worse. Mm. Uh, and don't walk into someone that has been doing something since before you're born and try to tell them how to do it. Mm. That's true. And I, I don't mean to be ugly about it. That's just stating the facts. That's right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, and, and, you know, obviously I definitely don't want to offend people because I want people to listen to the program. I want them to gather as much knowledge as, as they can from this. This is why, you know, joy puts this out there. This is why, um, uh, we're here to, uh, to bring a spotlight to the, to the, to the beagles and, uh, uh, give them get, get that information out there to help people to learn with real conversations and, and there again, not just with posts on social media or, or, or internet pages, you know, or web pages or whatnot, but we have to be careful because I, I'm, I'm an investigator. I want to know, you know, I, if I'm, you know, if I'm wrong and I use this, this saying in a, in a lot of different settings of, you know, even when I'm in a, you know, if I'm in a theological debate, if I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. I don't want to be left in the dark to say, well, if he thinks he's right, let him think he's right. Um, I want to know I'm wrong. If I, if I call you up and say, Hey, Samson was this, this, and this, and you say, well, you can think what you want to. That's not, I want, I, which I would never do that, but I want to know that I'm wrong so that I can be right. And I tell my discipleship group all the time, we're studying theology. You're, you, you're not ready to learn until you're ready to be wrong. And when, when, when you're ready to be wrong, then you're ready to learn. And once we, 
once we get to that point, we're okay, I'm ready to learn. Then we'll ask those intuitive questions. You know, how did you do this? And why did you do that? And okay, I didn't see it that way. And you know what? I was wrong here. And that comes into that humility and that humble spirit of actually wanting to learn because that's how as houndsmen, we keep this going, you know, because if we think that we know everything, just hold tight and you'll figure out, we'll figure out that we don't. And well, you're right, Mike. And then, well, I'll flip back to something we talked about earlier. And, and again, I will repeat what I said. There is remain coachable, which is what I think you're saying in a different manner. But you asked me, how did you learn these things? It was observation, watching other houndsmen. There's few people that you can't learn something from, even if it is that they're doing something so wrong that you look at that and say, whoa, I don't want to do that. I'm learn what I did with my older sister. I ain't doing that. <laughs> I ain't doing that. No. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of times it's, and I don't barge into someone else's breeding program and say, you need to do this or this or Mm. this. I mean, if they ask me a direct question and say, what do you think? Well, I'll tell them the truth, the straight truth. And if someone asks me about even one of my dogs, I'll tell you the positives and what I view is is maybe something that could be worked on. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it's sort of like Jesus. You know, <laughs> uh, he always in in the in the the letters in Revelation he started out by telling the all but one one or two churches, telling yes. them the things they were doing right. Mm-hmm. And then he levied out what they were doing wrong. Right. Right. But positive enforcement. And I, I, having raised a son, I, I found that positive reinforcement with him worked much better than negative. It tends so, to. Tell them what they're doing right first. And then if they ask you what they're doing wrong, but as you're raising a child, you tell them anyway. But then tell them the negatives if they ask you. But I try to look at, you know, look at things that way. But remain coachable. Don't think you're right all the time. Hey, I've been proven wrong about things before. And I'm sure if God grants me any more time on earth, that I'll probably, maybe, (laughs) I'm sure, run into situations that I wasn't 100% right on something. Right. But you got to be, remain coachable and be able to pivot. When you, when you recognize that, say, well, that's why that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And you pivot. But anyway, and I didn't mean to bring up a, a you was the one to ask about. <laughs> no, no. And, and <laughs> right. Y'all email me, email me, not Dexter. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and with that same mindset and everything that you've seen over the years, and we get into this, you know, internet, this, this ability that we have now to reach way out. And I mean, if I want to breed the dog, if I want to breed to a dog that you've got, I don't never have to leave my house. I can call Roy Smith, Roy, run by here and pick up this dog, take it and drop it off up there. I need you to pick it up in two weeks and bring it back. You know, boom. 
Well, like the that. dog haulers, the dog haulers have been great. Because, Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, they sprung up after nine eleven, because back in the old days we shipped mm-hmm. by we we flew them out, and then after nine eleven it become such a hassle. The airlines didn't want to ship pets no more, and they made it so difficult that and it, and and cost prohibitive that people quit, and then it it opened the door for the dog haulers, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you can't find a dog hauler, buddy, because <laughs> they out there. out there, they out there, just pick a good, good one. They just pick a and good one. Mm-hmm. Pick a good one. There's some good ones out there. Absolutely. Um, and I would say, I would say too, with the, um, with dealing with the changes that the internet has brought into the ability to reach out further and to bring this in. We got a lot more outcrossing going on. So that family dynamic breeding program, like that you have illustrated for so many years, it has waned because now I can reach out and breed to whomever, wherever, whenever, as long as, as long as they agree that I can send my bitch up there. And then here at my kennel, we don't. I don't breed outside the kennel, but if I if I did, you could send me a bitch down here. Boom, done. So we we can reach out for those outcrosses more. But I want folks to remember, there's something to be said about the dynamic of breeding and that family concept. Because obviously, as we can see with ref, it's it's working, you know, and and it's worked for years. Just be smart about it. And I. Yeah, would, Go ahead. There's a lot of there's a lot of, of time and effort goes into developing a genetic pool that is pure and has been where any uh, most of the weaknesses have been eliminated. Uh, that is difficult to well. Very rarely do you see an outcross individual who's a great producer. Um, so if you can get into a good family and stick with it, uh, and don't just look on the Internet and say, well, they say they got better dogs than I do, and then let go every dog you got and go get that. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. Mm-mm. Don't do that. It, it, it's because... Most of the time, you'll be sorely disappointed. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and learning that lesson is hard because now you've put in a cross. You've put in, you know, raising the pups, weaning the pups, then waiting on the pups to get to the, the training age and moving forward and, you know, and then working with them. Well, this is supposed to work. It's supposed to work. It's supposed to work. When I make a cross here at the kennel and it don't work, well – my time, my place, you know, it don't work. Um, but when somebody reaches out like that and hits that flavor of the month, um, then, you know, we, we've seen that over the years. I won't mention the dog's names, but we've seen it over the years come back to be a negative um, experience more so than a positive experience because they went out there and they introduced a stranger to the family, you know. Yes, and then when that happens, and it may work the first generation, but then the next generation it falls apart. 
or in the in the third the the third generation it'll fall apart. So and what I've seen, what I felt has been many failures from different different. Well, a lot of male dogs getting a negative name. Some of them deserve it. Some of them may not. But uh, if you take a dog that has not got a depth in the genetic pool and you breed that dog, well, the first generation, it might work. But then a few, what I see is that immediately they'll, people, breeders will start trying to line breed on that dog and be disappointed because mm-hmm. the line breedings don't work because there's so much genetic material in there that it goes back to what we talk about, talked about the neck cross, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes so when you start line breeding on a dog that doesn't have depth in the genetic pool, then it, you're going to start getting things that were covered up by the outcross mm-hmm. negative things primarily. Right. Because those are primarily recessive. A lot of them are recessive genes, but when, it shows up on both sides of the pedigree. It becomes dominant. It's they coming. pull. Mm-hmm. It's coming. You hook up two recessives, they become dominant and apparent. That's right. That's right. So just opening uh, it up, and it's almost like it's almost like it, it, in in a good analogy is is when you make that cross and you're opening it up. It's like a person operating without immune system. You're going to catch all the bad. It's coming. It's, it, it's you're, coming. You're going to get. You're going to get the bad, and and you're going to be able to feel it. You're going to be able to see it, and that's why focusing on those traits, focusing on those those um, dominant genes that we that you that are good that you want to keep, because it once once it's gone, it can come back. Because if it's hiding in there, autosomally recessive, it's yes. it, it can come back. It and it will eventually if you make. A line bred family cross. Right. right. It will, it, like, you'll take an outcross dog and you'll see people breeding daughters back to them, which I've made those crosses. I've made father daughter crosses, and then you'll see one or two show up in my pedigrees. But, and that's another thing, when you make that kind of cross, you, you do, I think, owe it to the, the individual's. If you got close friends that want to, to help evaluate, that's fine. But, you know, don't push that to someone that don't know nothing about them because. Uh, right. Uh, so, but when you take that outcross individual, breed him back on his offspring or his grand offspring, then you're going to pull back from back in his pedigree, that outcross pedigree. And a lot of times when, when the bad traits crop out, you don't even recognize or can't identify where they came from. Uh-huh. Now you're at a loss. So, well, actually, how can you fix it if you don't know where it come from? Right. Mm-hmm. So you're better off to, if you got good dogs, stay the course. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if they meet your standards, stay the course. Don't let t- somebody tell you they got a better dog. Unless you go and watch the dog and you think, well, I'd like to try that dog. Well, go ahead and try it, but don't pollute your gene pool 
all of your gene pool. Don't breed it into everything until about the second generation. If it, if you can carry it two generations, you and and you know you got a, a at least a fighting chance. Uh, three's better. <laughs> <laughs> so at two, at two, you still swinging. You still swinging at two, but at three, you feeling a lot better about yourself. Yeah. I feel a lot better at three. Okay, yeah. you got a fighting chance. We got a fighting chance now. That reminds me of my childhood. So you got a fighting yeah. chance to survive. You got a fighting chance to survive now. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's and that's. Um, you know the advice that we can get from from a breeder like yourself you know that that you know that's just shooting straight off the hip and the truth is the truth um when it comes to this because there again if we're wrong we want to know if we don't want if we don't know then let's find out because we live in the age of information and so there's a lot that we can learn and we can find out. If somebody wants to understand genetics, they can just get online and start reading, you know, there you um, go. look for the cliff notes on it or something. But, you know, uh, there, there's a lot to, to learn uh, when it comes to breeding these dogs. And, you know, you made a point the other night was on the phone about human, human in, in our, how did you put that? How we, we are controlling the, um, uh, how did you put that? We're we're controlling the outcome. Uh, we're interfering it's, it's, with nature and in controlling the outcome. Yeah, it's an artificial selection process because mm-hmm. imposed by man as opposed to nature. And I think I made this statement the other night that uh, nature is the cruelest mistress. Yeah, because if it doesn't, if it if it doesn't help that animal survive in the wild then it dies before it can reproduce that's right absolutely it dies before it can reproduce so it's naturally it's taken out of the gene pool yeah and and you're going to get that in nature and in these dogs is that even in lines that you are that you're familiar with you will occasionally get mutations because mutations are as part of, of genetics as anything. You will get genetics uh, or mutations, and if they're negative in the wild, then nature culls that animal before it can contribute to the gene pool. But man, we tend to, to that's where... Keep it. <laughs> yeah it's like well i feel sorry for that and i'm gonna keep it well you know what you're not helping nobody including yourself i mean make it a pet if you want to but don't breed it Mm-mm. spay it, it or neuter it and be done with yeah. it but don't breed it don't contribute to the pollution of the to the gene pool absolutely uh, i think uh <laughs> It was, um, I believe it was the other night when we were talking, if you're going to be in control of that outcome, be, be a houndsman enough to do what needs to be done to keep that from going forward. Is that what you was telling me the other night? And I think I said that in a, yes, in a, good, a nice way. Um, um, yes, sir. But be, be willing to make the hard decision on this, oh, yeah. on this dog. 
you know, and, and let's just keep it, let's just church it up and say, look, spay it or neuter it, you know. There you go. And yeah. and, and don't let it breed so you're not causing don't more. You know, crooked tails, overbites, underbites, uh, you know, backtracking, excessive mildiness, things like that right there that you don't want to see go forward. Don't try it to see if you can breed it out of them, you know. I, I can't yeah. I can't do it. I, I mean I, I just won't do it. I mean, you know, um Well again, we'll we'll go back to something you said about uh that pup that you're work that you work with. Well you've got at least two years by the time you make a cross to you see what's gonna happen because a lot of pups I get always get nervous when people say they got a, a died in the wool rabbit dog when he's nine months old. Well, I I mean I've had some, but I made them prove that they were good beyond nine months. Right. Because sometimes they blow up. Yep. It happens. Mm-hmm. And what is that when they when they blow up? What is that? That's a, that is a that's a malfunction. That is that is a mutation. They shouldn't do that. You know, um, they should be able to yeah. do what they were bred to do, withstand the pressure, stay with it. You know, I'm not saying dominate and lead the pack, but be able to stay prevalent in the pack. You know, they they have to at least be good, solid rabbit dogs. Yeah. yeah. And it's something I see in people doing tight line inbreedings and – I've done well. I've done every kind of tight inbreeding. <laughs> I've experimented, and, and some of them didn't make it to the pedigrees because they didn't work. I've even gone mm-hmm. so deep. I've even gone so deep at seven eighths off a of SAR before. Ooh. Uh, and tried it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I typically saw that there was a drop when you got that far. They may still be acceptable rabbit dogs, but they probably lack a little intelligence. Mm-hmm. They're, they're slower nature. But, and even to test certain SARS, I've done father daughters yeah. and, and mother sons. Uh, I preferred the, the father daughter to the mother son. But anyway, it, to stress, sometimes if you're really serious about it, and this is tell you how serious I've been, is to stress test that line and see what they could take. Yeah. But you got here's where you go back to time, and I finally, at, and I finally, God showed me this. Eventually, it's like, hey, you don't have an eternity here on earth. Mm-mm. You've got. Once the water runs under the bridge, it don't roll back up. Time is something we can't get back. Right. So I know I went down a I went down a path with you on that one. So pull me back in. What? Ask me another question. 
hey, I'm standing on the bridge over here watching the water go down through there. And <laughs> so I was, I literally, when you was talking about it, I was imagining that water going under that bridge. I'm forty, I'm forty five, and before the water hits the bend, I'll be sixty five. You know, so there you go. I'm sitting here thinking about, and look, I'm sitting here thinking about crosses. I need to make them running out of time. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm like, dang on, I need to breed them dogs. I ain't got much time. I got, I got to hurry up and get this cross money. I got you thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and you make a good point is that, you know, and, and like you said, as God revealed to you that, you know, time is short here. We do know that. We, I mean, nobody, I don't think there's no. Nobody I know thinks they gonna you know stay. Everybody, everybody I know, unless the Lord, if the Lord tarries, gonna leave out of here by the grave, and we don't right. know when that is. But what we do know is this: on most bitches, every six months there's a heat coming, and that's either an opportunity to do something different or the same. We can. We can study that alone from six months to six months. And, you know, I try to plan my crosses six months to a year in advance um, so that I'm, I, I'm, you know, watching these dogs and comparing these dogs and seeing what's going on. I like to be able to honestly look at somebody, too. I, I mean, they got to really show me that they're a rabbit dog. You know I mean? They got to show me if they ain't come become a full rabbit dog, I better be seeing so much potential that you can tote it in buckets, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and well, go ahead. It's, uh, I was, I, I lost that thought for a minute there. It's to tell you how serious that I've been about it, uh, in, in years past. And I still do this. And, and, and I know that I'm not even promised tomorrow, but, you know, uh, eternity is planted in the hearts of men. But uh, when I make crosses, I'm thinking into the future, if this cross works, mm-hmm. what am I going to do next? Now, I never make crosses because I've seen these, these uh, diagrams where people tell you how to breed a pure line and you take dog one and two and you make them and then you spin them off and you make this dog to this dog and mm-hmm. then you take those dogs and you cross them back and you got the same percentage as you did with the first cross and all that you know and i look at those and i just kind of like i get glazed glazy eyes because <laughs> yeah. it's like well what if that first cross don't work <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> what do you do now <laughs> If that second, what if one branch of that second cross you're going to make don't work? What are you going to do now? <laughs> so you you got to be constantly able to pivot, and you got to have expectations. Now, mm-hmm. whether you write them down or not, I've never, I've never written them down. But in my mind, I always knew what I expected, and if I didn't achieve it, then at least achieve it. Yeah. Every now and then I stumble off and hit, it'd be an overachiever, and then you're really – that's the golden years there, <laughs> but uh, and that don't happen all the time. No. Most of the time, if you just hit what you expected, but you're you're constantly looking to the future, even though as we you said, and I I guess I said in a roundabout fashion, we we know we don't have unlimited time, but yet 
uh, we look to the future with expectation. Right. Right. And if God calls us before then, we won't be worried about it, how any of them hounds are bred. Well, it, and be, with that thought, we're supposed to prepare for tomorrow, but don't 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 get all excited if it don't show up. You know, that's right. Well, we should be excited. Conversely, that that God called us. Well, we will. <laughs> I will. My wife. Yeah, I will. My wife prays for the rapture every every Sunday, so she don't got to go to work on Monday. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, and 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 that being prepared, looking forward. Like you said, what if this don't work? Be prepared and and making those crosses and and you know I just made some crosses and I've got a plan and and so that I can cross back here there do this do that and keep it in my family. You know I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I'm glad that you taught me that that family construct of keeping it in there. And so this is what I've learned. Um, one of the main things that I've learned a lot tonight, but this is what I've learned here. Um, what I'm doing might not work out the way I plan, but it's a good plan, you know, going, going forward. Um, and then, and then being able to look back, you know, I want to be able to look back on my dogs and say, your grandma, your grandpa, I can see all that in you here. Um, Absolutely. And I like what you said about being able to see all that on the front end, because it just means, it means a lot to us when we when we do when we are able to see that, and a lot of us are not like you and hadn't seen ten generations of dogs run, but we got the idea, we we got the understanding now um, for that. What what we do today should be something that we planned a while back and and be part of a of a future plan. Right. And, and, you know, it goes back to uh, not only being coachable from from by other people or other houndsmen, but also being coachable by life itself. If when you make a cross and, and either it excels or, or it's just a good solid cross or it's a failure, then you need to go back and say, well, why didn't it work? Or why did it work? Why did it excel beyond my expectation? And you teach yourself, and only you can do that, Mm -hmm. but you learn from your experience. Right, right. And mistakes that go along with that experience. Uh, Again, like I said earlier, there's very few people that you can't learn something from, even if it is the negative things. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to do it that way. But uh, and then it falls to the individual dogs, because, you know, when you when push comes to shove, you're you're evaluating the individuals and um, maybe what you had in your mind, even though the dogs did make rabbit dogs once you see them on the ground and you've got you see what how they act and if they are in the constraints of the family but yet you think well, you know what i don't think that that will fit that cross maybe i'll go to this other family member over here because i know that he can he can strengthen this here uh so you're constantly learning and you're constantly pivoting and as long as i've been in it 
and I've lived dogs my entire life. Mm-hmm. But as long as I've been in it, I still don't know everything. And if I, if God were to give me another hundred years, which I don't expect that to happen, but if He did, I know that I would still be learning things. Yeah, right. Never think that you have reached the point that there's not something that'll surprise you because it will. Right. Just just keep going down the road. It will. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and you know what? That's good advice right there to end on. Um, that that just really give us something to think about there too. You know, in just life life experiences. Period. Um, when it comes to breeding and things, and um, I would say that over this two hours that we've been recording here. And I and for the folks that are out there, I don't know if you're on part one or part two. Well, if you're listening to this, you're on part two for sure. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that we hadn't covered, Dexter. There's a lot of things that you know, uh, uh, things about raising pups and particular ways that you raise pups and how you do it, training and what you're looking for. And you know what? We're gonna we're gonna have the listeners to hang on, and we're going to uh, we're gonna pick this up again. Um, and continue that so that we can get into the Reffitt's Kentucky Mountain, you know, puppy raising and training and, and things of that nature. And we have covered a lot on, and I'm glad this is recorded because I've got pages of notes here already, but we can take this and we can, we can move forward with it. And so if it's all right with you, then, uh, here in the near future, we'll, <clears throat> we'll get together again and, uh, right. we'll, we'll talk about some puppy raising and some training and some some of the particulars and things that you you know when you were training samson or heather or the different different dogs that uh you trained and raised over the years and some field trialing and things like that we can get into some of those conversations in in the near future that's fine uh i i just hope that something we've covered tonight uh will help the listeners and and again, uh, my philosophy about uh, well, about breeding and about about life in general, and put put everything in perspective. Put God first, and then the rest will fall in order. That's right. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I gave him the last word, and and rightfully so. I hope you'll tune in each week and listen to our. Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast. You can hear Josh Michaelis when he talks about the coon hounds. Callie Simpson, she talks about the retrievers and different guests that she has on there. I hope you enjoy it. Share it with your friends. You can find it on Facebook, uh, Spotify, and all the podcasting uh, links that are out there. Uh, share it. Email it out. Send it to your friends. We appreciate it. And uh, uh, Dexter, let me ask you this before, uh, before I close out. If somebody yes, wants sir. to get a hold of you, Yes, sir. Uh, what are the ways that somebody can reach out and, and contact you? Well, <clears throat> I'm on Facebook. There we um, go. <clears throat> uh, if they'll shoot me a note, uh, a text, uh, a message, and uh, if they're really serious, because, you know, I, I and I do talk on the telephone, but I, I do, I stay fairly busy and I, I uh, I am a, a active churchgoer, and I like to study uh, scripture too. So I, I, you know, 
I'm not one that, in years past, I've done this when I was really, really and in, in active. It, people would call me, start calling me early in the evening, and it would be 12, 1 o'clock before I'd get off the phone, and they would occupy the whole evening. And, and, and I don't mind talking on the phone, but, you know, send you not to that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, send me a message. And uh, we can hook up and talk. If if it's something we need to cover on the phone, I can I can give you a call. I mean, uh, or you know, give you my number at that time. Yeah. Even. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but I, I would like to start it that way because I don't want to get back into that that level of activity on the on the dogs because I uh, I am devoted to to my uh, Christian studies now and and, and to God and and. Uh, uh, I, I want to, to put him first, and and certainly I will help anybody that, that is sincere and wants help, though. All right. Good deal. Well, guys, y'all heard that. I know I understand that and uh, and, and respect that, and I know that our listeners do, too. And, uh, Dexter, I just want to tell you that we do appreciate you, Joy, appreciate you, and I look forward to the next time that we get to get together and have a conversation and talk about these beagles. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening. Again, if you want to find out more information about Joy Dog Food, go to joydogfood.com. Information on nutrition, there's apparel on there that you can purchase, that you can look up. You can find the dealer on there. There's a map you can set up, put in your zip code. It'll show you the closest dealer to you. And uh, we do appreciate you listening and uh and and sharing the broadcast we we do appreciate that so as i sign off from here tonight as i always tell you guys make sure you keep your family close god bless you in all that you do and we'll talk to you next time